0: The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand, the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded.
2: It was a close call. Colin Kaepernick coming out and saying that the two white people who adopted him at five weeks and raised him are racists was almost a late entry, but our winner held off the challenge. And now it's time for the Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Of course, Colin is a useless, washed-up quarterback and shouldn't be taken seriously, and he's harmless compared to the vice president of the United States, especially when the president is 81 and most likely demented. But Kamala Harris has the potential to win every week as long as there's somebody out there interviewing her and as long as she has another phony story from her childhood to tell.
1: Um,
3: I grew up learning about... We we called it ecology at the time.
2: <laughs> and so some of us who were born around that time know what I'm saying. <laughs> and, um, and we talked about it in the context of conservation. In fact, I'm going to share with you a very simple story, which is that I went home one day and I said, well, what's... Why are conservatives bad, Mommy? Because I thought we were
1: supposed to conserve things. <laughs> I couldn't reconcile it. Now I can. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, she's, oh, boy. She'd sound like an idiot reading the Gettysburg Address if she ended up with that laugh, by the way. But she's going to be hard to beat as long as she keeps showing up and proving that she would be worse than Joe Biden. I really didn't think it was possible, but... It, she did it. Uh, so you can be sure this won't be the last time Kamala Harris is named the AM 1250 The Answer Jerk of the Week. Hey, speaking of conserving, the, uh, the big guy has been doing his best to conserve fossil fuels uh, and make all of us miserable in the process. But the Republicans in the House uh, are about to introduce their solution And in our second half hour, uh, something you don't hear every day, a proposal to move the Capitol out of Washington, D.C. And I kind of like the idea. Stick around. China
0: is attacking the U.S. patent system. American innovations, and we are helping them do it. The Chinese Communist Party intends to surpass us and to be the world leader in innovative technology. This shocking new movie from the Tea Party Patriots exposes the truth. China will use our own technology to threaten our economic and military security.
4: Dominating technology means you dominate
0: the world itself. This is a race that we cannot afford to lose because we're not going to have a country. If China gains control over 5G technology with a flip of a switch, they could remotely turn off our phones, our cars, even our power grid. We've lost sight of what it is to protect this nation, we need to up our game. In today's high tech world, there is no prize for second place. Watch Innovation Race. Available now on demand or DVD at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com.
2: Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow. Pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10 year warranty and a 60 day money back guarantee. Just go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800 800- to get your MyPillow 2.0s now. The word is out. People are abandoning
1: their overpriced wireless carriers and flocking to Pure Talk for the same 5G coverage, but at a fraction of the price. In fact, the average family saves over $800 a year when switching from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone, keep your number, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. Or if you still want unlimited data, you can get that and still save save a fortune. So make the switch and get the same coverage as the big guys but at half the price. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home then enter promo code Half Off, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com promo code Off. Switch to Pure Talk and get unlimited talk, text and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month because Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless.
4: Did you know that the average price of a used car is up Over 40% from just a year ago, the cost of living has gone up and the cost for auto repairs is rising as well. The car you have needs to last you longer than ever. So if your vehicle has less than 150,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire, or with no warranty coverage at all, you need to call CarShield at 800-523-8667. We've just announced a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle service plan to help save thousands of dollars on out-of-pocket expenses for future auto repairs. While the cost for new and used cars continue to go up, CarShield offers protection plans at an all-time low. Drivers who activate their plan today will also receive 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance, courtesy towing and emergency tire, battery, and key lockout service. Call 800-523-8667 today to save 20% on your plan. That's 800-523-8667. Keep your car protected. Call 800-523-8667. Again, 800-523-8667. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and
0: FM 92.5. The answer.
2: Well, the big guy is out there today talking about his budget, which is basically more spending and more taxing, which is exactly what you would expect. And you uh, would hope that most of it will be dead on arrival when it gets to the House. Meanwhile, the Republicans in the House are getting ready to offer some big changes on energy. Daniel Turner is the founder and executive director of Power of the Future. He joins us now. Good to have you back on, Daniel. How are you? John, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. So, um, how big are the changes that we, I don't know, I was going to say that we can expect Um, I don't know if the Republicans are going to get it done, but what are they going to try to get done, I guess? Yeah, I was
5: really excited about H.R. 1, which is what it's called. You know, a lot of conservatives had some doubts about Kevin McCarthy um, when he was up for that speaker uh, debacle, when they were debating a couple months ago and voting. Um, But this was his first piece of legislation. That's why it's called H.R. 1. And I got to tell you, I'm impressed. Um, And it's not about some sexy, titillating issue like trans agenda or, you know, BLM or, or just something that would make headlines. It's about what we want our government to do. We want our government to put forward smart policies that, that allow people uh, to, to prosper in this country. And in this case, that unleashes American oil and gas, something that's been under attack For the last two years by this administration. So it's a it's a really positive piece of legislation. It's very big. It's very complex. It's going to be a dogfight to get it through. But but thank goodness this is where they're starting.
2: And I guess uh, Biden is already one of the things he's doing while he's taxing everybody else is eliminating any tax breaks for oil and gas production in this in this budget that he's selling.
5: Yeah, exactly. And he calls it subsidies. And this is one of the little games that we play in Washington, D.C. that annoys me. You can, well, heck, if you can call a boy a girl and a girl a boy, why can't you call a a subsidy a tax break and vice versa? The, The fossil fuel industry doesn't get any subsidies. Subsidies are handouts from the federal government. We don't get any cash from the federal government. But like a lot of businesses, we do get tax breaks, right? You get tax breaks if you buy things for your business, and then you pay you pay uh you figure out your taxes at the end of the year and you can write off expenses right so the the oil and gas industry the fossil fuel industry does get tax breaks like a lot of industries do and he wants all of them gone but of course being manipulative and playing fast and loose with with uh, nomenclature he says subsidies and they're not and so that it's another frustrating point but again these are the games we play in d c to continue to confuse the american people
2: yeah it's the same as when they uh when they when the, you hear a democrat say that um they gave gifts to the rich meaning that they yeah. <laughs> they stole less of their money so if someone comes and robs your house and uh you have a thousand dollars in cash laying there and they only they leave 200 bucks for you that's a gift That that's not the yeah, 800 I- they stole it's the 200 they left for you
5: Exactly, you know, and, and that's a great point. Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, played this game not long ago when we saw oil at its all-time high, and we were paying on average five dollars and five cents a gallon, and then it came down over seven or eight months to three dollars and forty cents a gallon. And she comes out and she says that we're saving the American people a dollar sixty. Well, it's still a dollar forty more than it was yeah. when Biden took office. Yeah. So you're not saving taking as much or that you're not costing them as much and no one in their right mind would think that they're saving money right now but again these are the lies that we tell in washington dc and it's really offensive right it's offensive as an american The american people deserve better than to be treated like a bunch of children
2: uh will this mean more permits for drilling permitting reform is the backbone of this
5: absolutely um and and that's essential because you know i'm not an anarchist Uh, I do believe government has a role, and this industry, more than almost any other industry, is very government, uh, requires a lot of government cooperation. And what we're getting right now from the administration is, hey, look, I'm John Steiger Wild Oil Company, and I want to drill a well here in Pennsylvania. I need you to sign my permissions. And they wait, and they delay, and they punt, and it's years. I talk to the fossil fuel executives all the time. They're waiting two years for what used to take a couple of months to get approved and that has to come to an end because if you're a bureaucrat you don't get to play those political games right you don't get to decide well i think climate change is too important to give him his permission that's not your call right that's the call of the congress that's the call of 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 elected officials and that's why we have elections but you as a bureaucrat just have to push around the darn papers and so permitting reform is important because the government has started to be used as a weapon against industries that this administration does not like and that's a pretty darn dangerous road to start going down
2: well who's telling the truth on that Daniel um, because Dem- when, when this is brought up to Democrats about the permits they say the permits are there they've always been there but the oil companies won't drill and they're making record profits what's the answer yeah to that? they
5: t- they talk about the 9,000 leases, and that's 100% accurate. There are 9,000 leases. Now, what if I told you in a good year there should be around 45,000 leases? Suddenly, that nine—and And that is an accurate number. Suddenly that 9,000 is not very impressive, right? But right. the lease is just the first point. And, and, again, ask anyone who has ever acquired land, and a lot of your listeners have acquired land. All right, you have the, the lease's access to the land, right? Now you have that land. Can you, can you build a house? Right. Well, no. Uh, I am sure Butler County wants to see those those plans. Can you drill for wa- water? Oh no, I'm sure Butler County wants to see your permitting. And can you hook onto the electric grid? No. And then so you have to go through all of these steps. Imagine saying, "Well, you have the the the, the land use. How come you're not building your house? How come you don't live there, John?" It's like, yeah. "Well, look at all the other permissions I need." And that's the game that this administration is playing. Land access is the first step. But now I need step two, and that is access to drill ADPs. It's called, and and uh, and and do I do I get that? No, but not from this administration. They're holding it up.
2: I mean, you have to in townships here. You have to get a permit to uh, put an addition on your house, or I don't know. I, I don't know what, what the uh, the, um, the qualifications are or the restrictions are. But you can't just you can't, you just can't do work on your own house. Uh, Without getting a permit from the township.
5: Now imagine the township says, well, okay, you want to build an addition to your house. Um, What percentage of your construction crew is going to be black or brown or LGBTQ Uh, plus? And you say, well, wait a second. What does that matter? Oh, well, maybe I will not give you the permission to put an addition. So these are the games the administration is playing with their affirmative action and their uh, diversity, executive orders with their leasing games. And this is not what government is supposed to do. Government isn't, as we say a lot, isn't supposed to pick winners and losers. And when we start weaponizing government this way, uh, we set a really bad precedent. Because eventually people we like, quote-unquote, will do the exact same thing. And I don't want that to happen either, right? I don't want to weaponize government against my enemies either.
2: But we're we're headed down this road, and it's not a good thing. Well, what was the difference... I mean, was there was there a night and day difference when it was the switch turned off the day that, you know, January 20th, uh, 2021, when Joe Biden walked into the White House? Did did it change like drastically based on policy?
5: Oh, absolutely. I mean, these were the executive orders that the, the president signed uh, the very first day after he was inaugurated. Um, and again, these these agencies in government control this part of permitting. So if I'm Joe Schmoe who works at the Department of Interior and all I do every day is analyze uh, 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 permitting requests to drill for oil, well, now I have an order from the president saying, nope, not until you assess climate change. So what do I do? I don't know what that means, so I put the permit on my desk and I wait. And we're waiting two years now. What used to take weeks, maybe a month, is now taking years because Joe Biden has deemed it this way. And and You know, so this is what H.R. 1 is going to try to rectify. It also raises the question about the role of government and how big government is and how big these bureaucrats, how much power these people, how much power they have on a daily basis over our lives.
2: Yeah, so how will they address that?
5: Uh, Well, the, the, the good thing about the Department of Interior and the EPA is that all of these agencies do report to the Congress. Um, And so Congress in H.R. 1 is reasserting themselves. Even pipeline reform is part of of H.R. 1 pipeline permitting reform, meaning it's not up to Joe Biden to say, I don't want Keystone Pipeline to be built. The Interstate Commerce Clause is controlled by the Congress. So where does the president get the authority to say, I decide you can't build the pipeline? Can the president decide you can't build a permit on your house right now? You say, well, wait a second. I thought that would be our township. I thought that would maybe at the highest level, the governor of the Commonwealth. Nope, yeah. it's now the president's purview. Well, how much president? How much power does Joe Biden have? And then simultaneously, where does that power end? And so that's what HR one is trying to address.
2: We're talking to Daniel Turner. He's the founder and executive director of Power of the Future. Um, the Democrats, uh, Daniel, are out there saying that oil and gas production is up under Biden. Where do they get that?
5: Yeah, it's <laughs> one of the great lies that, that we hear all the time. Um, and it's really frustrating because, again, it's treating the American people like children. Um, we've talked about this before on your show, and your listeners will remember, um, we're taking about a million barrels a day out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. What the administration is doing is they are adding them to the production numbers and saying, look at this, When the Biden, when the president took office, We were producing 12 million barrels a day. Now we're producing 13 million barrels a day, thanks to this president. Well, we're not producing any more oil. We're just taking oil that has already been produced that was in strategic reserves, and we're adding it to that number, and we're magically saying that we're producing more oil. Now, that's offensive, right? And it's a flat-out lie, and there's a precedent for this. Do you remember back in the Obama administration— When they talked about the jobs numbers we have the jobs numbers today remember the obama administration talk about jobs saved or created yeah and you would say well what the heck does that mean every month we have saved or created over nine hundred thousand jobs and you'd say well that's not really a number it is if i declare it so and and this is where you, you weaponize government they play these stupid little games and and, it, and they treat us like children, and it's it's wrong. It's, it's it's quite frankly, it's actually dangerous for the health of our nation. And they did this with COVID numbers, right? How many people died of COVID? And then you find out the guy was hit by a bus, and you say, well, wait a second, he didn't die of COVID. Yes, he did. Put the numbers down. Yeah, he, and you say, well, why are you lying about the numbers? That's that's
2: the problem here. Um. So, uh, you mentioned pipelines. What about the Keystone Pipeline? Is that addressed in this uh, bill that's going to come out?
5: I don't believe it will be addressed specifically, but, but the spirit of Keystone will be addressed in the sense that absolutely essential to our infrastructure and to our overall economy and national security. And quite frankly, I was happy to see Kevin McCarthy mention the terrible train wreck uh, in East Palestine as an example. Look, you know, I'm not blaming the secretary of the transportation. I'm not, bl- you know, but but accidents do happen and they're terrible. But train accidents happen more than pipeline accidents. Mm -hmm. And so by by saying we're not going to allow pipelines like Keystone, we want you to use trains, you're encouraging more accidents. And so pipelines, if you really care about safety and you care about the environment, pipelines are safer and they are greener, and we should want more pipelines.
2: You know, that's an excellent point, and I don't uh, remember seeing Pete Buttigieg uh, asked about that. Or, or someone, uh, I do I don't—I just haven't seen anybody throw that in front of him and say, well, geez, um, you, we could have, the, you, you talking about we have these derailments and they're a common occurrence. Wouldn't it be nice to have this stuff delivered by a pipeline instead of a train whenever possible? I, I don't think Absolutely. I've ever seen him ask that. No, I, I haven't
5: either, and that's unfortunate. And it also plays in a little bit to the ignorance of, of our elected officials who wouldn't think to ask that question. Uh, you know, you think of, look at your house, In and in, in those of us listening to us right now at home, how many pipes are in their house? How many pipes are going to their gas stove, their hot water? Yeah. Do you live in fear? Do you cower every night thinking, oh, my gosh, there's a gas line going to my hot water heater? We have, in this nation, more than 2 million miles of pipeline. That's a, go to the moon and back around eight times um pipelines are a part of our life they're nothing to be afraid of and they are safer and greener um but but again we have an administration that wants to punish fossil fuels so they will punish the the transportation of fossil fuels and that's why they went after keystone
2: we're talking to daniel turner he's the founder and executive director of power the future he's talking about hr1 which is a bill uh, i guess it's going to be actually officially introduced at the end of this month but it's a uh, the Republicans' first big deal, and it's uh, it's all about energy. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with the rollout and how much it's attacked by the, the Democrats and the liberals and the uh, the climate hysterics. What's in it? And it what, will, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say it will be interesting as well for your great Commonwealth to see if Senator
5: Casey votes for it when it goes to the Senate. Well, Pennsylvania is the second largest natural gas producer in the nation. Uh, you, your audience knows how important fossil fuels are to your state's economy, to the Commonwealth's economy. Now, Bobby Casey, you know, maybe he's a shoo-in for re-election. Maybe he's not nervous. But who do you represent, Senator? Do you represent the people of Pennsylvania? Do you represent the 600,000 men and women who work directly in something like fracking? Um, or do you represent, you know, the special interests of Michael Bloomberg and Tom Steyer, neither of whom, by the way, live in Pennsylvania? Um, and that's where I have a little bit of hope that it could pass the Senate, because people like Senator Casey, people like John Tester, uh, uh, people uh, like Sherrod Brown in your neighboring state of Ohio. They represent huge energy states and and things are not great right now in America. And there's going to be a lot of blame to, to, to cast on people. And if you want to keep your job in the Senate, you're going to have to try to pretend you care about these issues. So. Fingers crossed that they can get someone like Bob Casey to uh, do the right thing. I've never been super high on Senator Casey on anything, um, so so I'm, I'm not holding out too much hope. I just got to say
2: that. Well, with him, uh, Daniel, the first thing is finding him. He's uh, he's, <laughs> he's been Mister Invisible since he since he went to Washington. Got about a minute and a half here. Uh, does any energy plan uh, have to include how we're going to find all the stuff we need to make? Batteries for all those electric cars—might that be in, in, included in this somehow? It is, and that's the pretty impressive thing about this legislation: is that it does include
5: a lot of mining uh, um, uh, permits and mining uh, policies as well. Because the speaker said, you know, all these raw materials we need them if we're going to have electric vehicles and batteries, and we need them for our military as well, and we need them for our smartphones there's no reason why we're buying these things from communist China. There's no reason why we're making these things in communist China. Um, again, the administration is, is hell-bent on closing mines, has denied a lot of mine permits. But, but if you think we can go green without coal, which Pennsylvania has a lot of coal, then you genuinely don't understand how those products are made. And if you don't understand how those products are made, please don't vote. Right? Don't, don't, don't voice your opinion. Just stay home and, and play video games because we don't need you mucking up society any more than you already do.
2: I'm always for the stupid people staying home on Election Day. I'm okay Amen. <laughs> hey, Daniel, I'm out of time. Uh, this is going to happen at the end of, end of March, so I'm sure we'll have you on again sometime around when it actually is introduced, and we'll see what the reaction is. I appreciate it. I hope so, John. It was great to be on your show. Thank you, sir. It was great to have Daniel Turner of Power of the Future. We'll be right back.
0: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Employers adding 311,000 jobs in February. President Biden says he's pleased by the low unemployment rate. People who are staying out of the job market, this is particularly good news, are now getting back into the job market. They're coming off the sidelines. They're getting back into the job market. The share of working-age folks or in the labor force, is higher than it has been any time since 2008. That was one of the big predictors everybody was looking at. The unemployment rate rose to 3.6 from 3.4%. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation seizing the assets of Silicon Valley Bank, marking the largest bank failure since Washington Mutual during the height of the 2008 financial crisis. The bank failed after depositors began withdrawing their money, creating a run on the bank. The Dow off 201 points, and the S&P 500 is down 41. This is SRN News.
6: We're entering a time of increasing hostility against people of faith, a time when Christians are going to be tested on a moral and physical and financial basis, unlike any other time in our lifetime. I'm Lance Wall, now Christian author, evangelical leader, here to remind you that you have to take action to protect and steward what God has given you. For example, record high inflation is going to continue to eat away at the dollar and the savings of your retirement account is in danger. Fortunately, God does provide a way. To protect your retirement, I recommend diversifying your 401k or IRA out of paper and into physical gold. And the best way to do that is with a gold IRA from Birch Gold Group. Now to see how it works, just text the word FAITH to 989898. That'll give you access to a free info kit on gold IRAs. There are no strings attached, so text FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898 98 98 right now, and I pray your family is blessed with peace of mind because you took action. AM
0: 1250, The Answer. The Mike Gallagher Show. He's your happy conservative warrior. I don't believe that we've solved every racial problem in America. we got a long way to go. But we're better than most. And for a country that has seen cities run by black men and women, for Lori Lightfoot to cry bigotry as the reason for her defeat is really, really rich, isn't it? The Mike Gallagher Show. Weekday mornings at 9. Right before Del Wamsley at noon on AM 1250.
2: The Answer. Hey, John Steigerwald here for Johnny and Jesse Samick, my friends over at Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. When disaster strikes your home or business, demand the yellow van. Fire, water, or mold, Service Master's technicians are trained and equipped to get you back to normal fast. Even when dealing with insurance, you have a choice who repairs and cleans up the mess. Make sure you demand the yellow van. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Call Service Master. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with My Pillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now. AM 1250
0: and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. AM 1250. The answer weather
4: it'll be cloudy and windy tonight with a couple of snow showers maybe mixed with rain early tonight will reach a low of 29 breezy tomorrow morning otherwise a thick cloud cover tomorrow's high 37 cloudy skies for tomorrow night with a low of 26 mostly cloudy sunday a bit of snow and rain at times in the afternoon with little to no accumulation expect a high sunday of 52 with your acu
2: weather forecast i'm drew shannon
0: The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The
2: Answer. Well, I don't know about you, but Washington, D.C. is right behind New York City on the list of the last cities where I would want to live, and I probably wouldn't have trouble finding a lot of people who agree with me on that, and that's kind of sad when you think that it's the nation's capital and there are a lot of nice things to do if you take a trip there. James Pearson is a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. He thinks it might be time to change that. I'm talking about changing it from being the nation's capital. He joins us now. James, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it, John. Thank you. So you, you wrote for Newsweek uh, that D.C. proved a long time ago that it's unfit to serve as the nation's capital. I'm curious about how long ago you think that was. Well,
3: you know, that's an interesting story, John, because many people believe that through the 19th century when Washington, D.C. was a swamp basically, and no one wanted to live there. And as a consequence of that, Congress only spent a couple months a, a year in the Capitol. That was probably a good thing. And But it was only in the post-war period that it, very, it grew very rapidly along with the outside counties, and it turned into a very large city with a gigantic bureaucracy uh, that makes a lot of decisions for the public in place of its representatives. So, it's gone from being a swamp uh, in the real sense to being a swamp in a metaphoric sense yeah. in the sense that it's, it's controlled totally by bureaucrats, almost all of them Democrats.
2: You know, I remember reading a, a biography of uh, John Adams and um, a story about him. He would leave Washington. Um, I think he would leave like in, in the spring and he'd be gone for like three months. He was president of the United States. And he would head back to Massachusetts. So, yeah. uh, and, and as you said, that was the idea, that you weren't supposed to be in Washington. You were supposed no. to be back home, Not maybe not if you're the president, but if you're a congressman or a senator, you're supposed to be back home with the people who elected you and not hanging around in Washington. And, and so it being a swamp, is what you're saying, was actually a good thing because they didn't want to stay there.
3: That's right. They did not. People did not want a big government, and in fact, you know, they could run it by being there a couple months a year because up until nineteen thirty the federal government consisted basically of the post office, a customs service, some law enforcement, and not much else. That was about it. Mm-hmm. Uh some veterans' pensions. Uh it spent about two percent of gross domestic product. It was very small. Uh and that was the way the people wanted it. But now You know, because partly of the New Deal, but mostly because of the Great Society and what came after that in the 1960s. We've uh, developed a gigantic government in Washington, run basically by bureaucrats.
2: Yeah, and the Democrats, uh, they do like it there. They're probably not going to agree with you on this.
3: No, they won't. I mean, it's a Democratic city, as we said. We know that because like 95% of the vote in Washington, D.C. goes for Democrats. In every election, and they've managed to turn both Maryland and Virginia into Democratic states because they flooded the the counties around D.C., Fairfax County in Virginia, Montgomery County in Maryland. Those are very large counties; uh, well over a million people live in each of them, and they're again they're about 80% Democrats, and they've been able to flip those two states as a result of it.
2: And and what do you think? Um, Thomas Jefferson um, would think if he were to come back and find out what Washington, D.C. looks like right now after they made the decision back there in the uh, late uh, 18th century to move it there.
3: Yeah. He'd be very depressed, I'm sure, uh, because, you know, he believed that the government should really be run by, you know, the people who live out in the country, mostly small farmers. That was his vision. Mm hmm. And when they laid out the Capitol, there was nothing there. uh, George Washington plotted a site between the states of Virginia and Maryland, 10 miles wide on all sides, and there was nothing there. It was, in fact, a swamp. And they built the Capitol there in a matter of about 10 years from 1790 to 1800. Now, at that time, Washington, the District of Columbia, as it was called, was basically the center the geographical center, and the population center of the country. As you write, uh, in a country that ran basically along the eastern seaboard. But obviously today, that's really no longer the case. The center of population and geography of the United States is out in Kansas someplace. Yeah. So uh, there was a movement after the Civil War to move the capital out to St. Louis.
2: Oh, I didn't know and, that. You know,
3: yeah, sure. There was a movement, and a couple of, a couple of congressmen were pushing it. Because for that reason, they said, let's move it out to the center of the country. And, you know, it didn't really go anywhere. And uh, so and occasionally people have said things like this in the past, but there's never been a movement uh, to do it. Yeah. So I think I believe that the time has come to do it. You know, we've had presidents running for a long time. We've run against Washington. I'm an outsider. Elect me. I'll come in and take care of it. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Carter ran as an outsider. Ronald Reagan ran as an outsider. Bill Clinton ran as an outsider. Uh, not so much today with Biden and so on. Donald Trump ran as an outsider. He said he was going to clean up the swamp. So there is a view among the public that Washington is not friendly to them. And that's why they elect these candidates. So i have just taken it a step further and said, you know what? Why don't we start thinking about moving the Capitol and breaking up all those Democratic Party networks that have nested in in the Capitol. So one of the things I say in this article is that in every issue area, there is a network that's been created of bureaucrats, of congressional staffs, uh, and uh, reporters, and advocacy groups. And they all work together to press their issues. It's true in the environment, it's true in welfare, it's true in basically every area. There's an interest group, an advocacy group, and the journalists assign recorders to these beats, and they all work together. And they're all Democrats. And one of the reasons to move the capital is to break up all those networks, which push things further and further in the direction of big government.
2: And if you think about uh, uh, the 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 when did it? What was the year that it officially became the capital? Uh, Eighteen hundred. Eighteen hundred. Yep. Okay. So you know, in 1825, uh, it was it was a pretty, well, let's say 1865. Coming from California to Washington was kind of a trip for anybody yeah. who wanted to go. That was a long ride.
3: Yeah. And they didn't even have a transcontinental railroad in right. 1860, and they were some of it, they had to make the trip across hostile territory.
2: Yeah. Wow. So so, so the geography isn't working the way it was intended and and, it, and that was the case within fifty years of when they founded it.
3: And because you know when they actually made the decision to move it to the District of Columbia in seventeen ninety. Mm-hmm. That was the year Hamilton and Jefferson made their deal, celebrated in the play. And then it took ten years to put up the buildings, the Capitol and the White House, and I'm not even sure they were totally finished in 1800 when they moved in. But at that time, it was a country basically up and down the eastern seaboard along the Atlantic Ocean. They didn't imagine that this operation was going to extend all the way out to the Pacific Ocean and beyond. That was was not in anybody's plans at the time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it did happen roughly really between 1800 and 1860, The country expanded out to the Pacific. The Louisiana Purchase took place in 1803. The Mexican War in the 1840s. Texas, we acquired in the 1830s. Uh, California, we acquired with the War on Mexico. Oregon, with the uh, negotiation with Great Britain. So, between 1800 and 1850, it was done. And we're now a transcontinental country. Not what they anticipated when they wrote the Constitution.
2: We're talking to James Pearson. He's a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, and you can find his piece at the Manhattan Institute's uh, website. And uh, also you, it was picked up, uh, well, I guess it ran first at Newsweek. Is it Newsweek? Newsweek yeah. Newsweek.com? Yes. Yeah. Um, so um, what would it take to move it, James, well, aside from getting know, people to get over the it, uh, being yeah. apoplectic at the idea yes. at the <laughs> you mentioning it?
3: Well, one thing is uh, we have to start talking about it. Mm -hmm. So that's one of
2: the reasons I wrote the article. Nothing
3: happens all at once with the snap of the fingers. The idea has to be out there and people have to start talking about it. Maybe this is a possibility. Second, it would take an act of Congress by statute. It doesn't require a constitutional amendment. We put it in the District of Columbia by a statute in 1790, and we could move it by statute. It's not in the Constitution. So it would be difficult because, of course, there is the filibuster in the Senate, but You know, the Democrats have pledged to get rid of the filibuster. And at some point, they might be in a position to do that. Now, they're thinking that if we eliminate the filibuster, we'll rig the political system so far that Republicans will never win another election. So they would pack the Supreme Court. uh, They would take control of the, the voting system across the country. They would admit Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C., Washington, as states to get four more senators, and they'll think we don't have to worry about Republicans anymore. It's a one-party country. Mm-hmm. That's their thinking. But once they get rid of the filibuster, if Republicans can get back in charge, they can move the capital by a majority vote. And you know that might easily happen sometime in this century.
2: And where would you move it?
3: Well, I, I'm talking about moving it out to the Four Corners region where Utah, Colorado, uh, and Arizona, uh, New Mexico, intersect. And, you know, there are Indian tribes living out there, and you can build a new capital, just like we did in 1790. Put up a new capital building, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, maybe some of those Democrats who live out west would prefer uh, a capital that's located out there. Of course, you could put it anywhere, but... Uh, you know, I'm thinking of, of an area out there. The states might welcome it. It would be a growing city. Uh, you could break up all the Democratic networks in Washington. And the United States will get what I call a fresh start. And we need a fresh start. Uh, because the Capitol is totally ossified with bureaucrats and interest groups, and we can't do anything. We can't balance our budget. We can't make any decisions. Uh, it's all run from Washington in a kind of a sclerotic situation. So we need a new start, and moving the Capitol
2: might be a way of giving us one. And what happens to the White House, the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial, and all that stuff? Well, we can move it. Um,
3: We can build new ones. People can still go there and see those. I'm not sanguine about what's going to happen in Washington, D.C. in the future. They might well decide we can't name it Washington anymore. Because of course, Washington owned slaves. Oh yeah, and they may, and they may say, we got to tear down the Jefferson Memorial. Jefferson owned slaves. And the Washington Memorial, that may have to go too. So you know given where things are today, those are real possibilities looking out 10, 20, 30 years. No question that, And when that
2: sorry yeah, when that
3: begins to happen, then you know uh, all bets are off.
2: We could move the Capitol in. That's uh it's I'm amazed that it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, uh, that 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 what the name first of all Washington state um yeah. I live uh I live in Washington County, Pennsylvania, yeah. That's just a few miles from Washington, Pennsylvania, and I'm just wondering why it hasn't happened yet with Washington DC. You uh, the, and there are people who would sign off on that in 5 seconds to, to change the name. Yeah.
3: It's a very good point. There are cities and counties all across the country named after Washington and Jefferson uh, and James Madison uh, and others of the founding fathers who owned slaves. And you're right. I'm somewhat surprised, given some of the things they've said and done, that they haven't moved against, you know, your county, Washington State, Washington, Mm -hmm. D.C., any number of places.
2: Well, I also live right down the road from Washington and Jefferson College. Yes, uh, and I yeah. every time I ride by it, I think, boy, how long is that name going to last?
3: That's a good question. There is a, I think, there's a college called Washington Lee in Virginia. Yep, yep. And I think there have been noises made about getting Robert E. Lee's name off that.
2: Right now, uh, and, Yeah, just to finish up um, with James Pearson, the Manhattan Institute, a senior fellow there. Um, just getting back to what what's happening now with Democrats. Uh, being in charge of Washington and, and being just, uh, had just having overrun the city just by the mere presence of their vote, um, how has that district be, being overrun with Democrats led to what's being talked about now, the weaponization of the government against Republicans well, and does, conservatives?
3: Yeah. I think it follows from the fact they're all Democrats. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not true 50 years ago, but it is true now. It's somewhat shocking to people to find out that the FBI is basically run by Democrats and the IRS and the Justice Department. And there's a double standard of the law in Washington because it's it's basically uh, not only a Democratic city, it's a nine-year, 95% Democratic city. And again, this was not true until after the 1960s. In 1930, you know, uh, it was probably split between Republicans and Democrats uh, in Washington, D.C., so uh, this is a modern thing, and Democrats have basically taken control of it, and that makes it very difficult for Republican presidents to govern because they come in there and land in a Democratic city, and immediately they start trying to do things, and their memoranda are leaked to the press and the New York Times, and scandals begin because bureaucrats start leaking stuff to the press. And, you know, pretty soon there are special prosecutors and the newspapers are pressing issues and you can't govern anymore. If I were Donald Trump and he got elected again or Rob DeSantis or whoever it is, I would try to run my administration from Florida. I wouldn't go to Washington. That would be I'd run it from Florida.
2: That'd be great. Um, and uh, the, uh, Donald Trump. Um, he could run it from from Mar-a-Lago. That's a nice. He could White run House. Out of
3: Mar-a-Lago. Yes, he could run an office building and put his cabinet officers in the uh, in the office building and run the and run the country from Mar-a-Lago.
2: And and you don't want to. At least if it's me, I, I don't want a jury in Washington to know that I'm a conservative.
3: Well, and we've seen that too. The jury yeah. pools are all Democrats. Yeah. So if you're charged with a crime and you're Republican, they're probably going to convict you. If you're a Democrat, they'll let you off.
2: Yeah. Well, hey, and, uh, I'm running yeah. out of time here, James, but I, okay. I just want to let you know, I, I, I'm always open to having people with ideas like yours on the show, um, and um, I've had the, the guy on here from uh, Texas. I can't remember his name, but he wants to secede from the union, and I'm perfectly willing to listen to those arguments, and he won me over, and so did you. I want to see the, yeah. see the Capitol moved. I'd take it and move yeah. to Akron, Ohio, anywhere out of Washington. It'd be great. I'd be happy with that, too. Hey, James, thanks for being on the show. All right. Appreciate it, John. Good luck. Okay, that's James Pearson, and I agree with him. Run the country from Florida. That's a really good idea.
0: China is attacking the U.S. patent system. American innovations, and we are helping them do it. The Chinese Communist Party intends to surpass us and to be the world leader in innovative technology. Innovation race. shocking new movie from the Tea Party Patriots exposes the truth. China will use our own technology to threaten our economic and military security.
5: Dominating technology means you dominate the world itself. This is a race
0: that we cannot afford to lose because we're not going to have a country. If China gains control over 5G technology with a flip of a switch, they could remotely turn off our phones, our cars, even our power grid. We've lost sight of what it is to protect this nation. We need to up our game. In today's high tech world, there is no prize for second place. Watch innovation race. Available now on demand or DVD at SalemNow.com SalemNow.com
2: Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with My Pillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get your My MyPillow 2.0s now. Dennis Prager here. Sue and I mean it. Dogs are part of our family. We love Otto and Snoopy
0: so much, there's nothing quite like their loyal companionship. So, we provide them with rough greens. In fact, I just talked to my wife about it because we want them to be healthy and we want them to be with us as long as possible. That's true. I know Sebastian Gorka feels the same way. The Pragers and I couldn't agree more. Our pups Killian and Leia rely on us to provide what's best for them. And naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black has packed rough greens full of vitamins, minerals, digestive enzymes, omega oils, and more that supplement their food in a way that has shown us great results. Trying out rough greens is an easy yes. Recommended by me, Dr. G.
3: Naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black here, and I'm so proud that the Prager's and Sebastian Gorka have entrusted their dog's health to rough greens. I'm so confident that rough greens can help your dog. I'm offering you a free Jumpstart trial bag. Just cover the shipping. Yes, your dog's food is dead food, but you can bring it
1: back to life with Rough Greens. Go to ruffgreens.com.
0: This is the John Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5.
2: The answer. You know, when you get to be a, a certain age, people accuse you of not if you if you like things from the past or if you say things were better in the past, whether it's when I was covering sports full time. When I if you talked about not liking the designated hitter they tell you it's only because you're old um, and of course it's not only it, it it is because you're old because you actually witnessed something as opposed to someone who's read about it in a book so it gives you kind of a perspective um, and so but but you're accused and many times rightly so of of being unwilling to accept new things I'm sure I'm guilty of that just for that just not accepting it for that reason alone, but not not nearly as much as people accuse me of being that way on Twitter. But the guy we just had on, James Pearson, I agree with him. And I I really never the, the best point that I think he made there was that he thinks that if, if Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis were elected president in two years, they should just they should just say, you know what, I'm getting out of Washington. It's overrun with Democrats. my The people that work for me are going to be just, I just have to worry about them leaking to all the Democrats, the media, everybody else. I'll, st- I'll drop in every once in a while, but I'm going to do the exact opposite of what's been done for the last 150 years or so. I'm gonna I'm going to visit Washington when I think the time is right and when I should be there, but I'm going to live in Florida. What a great idea. I love it. So I'm glad we had James Pearson on, and I'm glad you listened this week. Thanks to Mike for helping out, and I'll talk to you on Monday.
0: The John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by ServiceMaster of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand, the yellow van.